0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Uh, we've talked about Jesus, our peace, Jesus, our hope, Jesus, our joy. And I, and I hope that, uh, I, I really do hope that you have enjoyed this series as much as I have. I really have enjoyed it. Just centering my heart around the truth of how Jesus changed all of these words. Now, when we think about it, Here's what we understand is that before Jesus came to the earth, um, people thought they had peace. People thought that they had hope. People thought that they had joy. People thought that they understood what love was. But Here is the truth, and this is what the Word of God tells us, that that Jesus not only gave us the origin of these, but He redefined how we think about these things and how we can receive them in our life. And this is what's so amazing about this. When we really stop and think and give ourselves a chance to focus on Him, what's significant about His peace? His peace that He gives us, is greater than our understanding like we prayed about just a few minutes ago. That it transcends our understanding. It makes us steadfast. What's different about His hope? His hope makes us secure. Why? Because His hope gives us the understanding that He cares about us, that He knows us, that He sees our today, but not only our today, but He also cares and sees our tomorrow. None of you... Have control over your tomorrow. None of you know what's going to happen tomorrow. But God does. And the good news is that He loves you. Speaks more about the truth of hope than that fact. Of knowing and trusting my life to the one. Who not only cares about me today and knows me today. But He also cares about my tomorrow and knows my tomorrow. He is our joy. And His joy is different than sometimes what we understand in about joy, and sometimes we confuse joy and happiness. We think that the things that bring us happiness will make us content, but in reality, they wear off. We talked about that last week. You get a new car, and it's amazing. I told you guys a few weeks ago, I hate that Christmas commercial where there's a car in the driveway. That's never happened to me. Never, ever happened to me. All right. But you get that new car, and that new car's great, but that new car smell wears off, but that payment doesn't stop, does it? No. And so that, what you thought was happiness, really isn't making you so happy anymore. But the truth is, you can apply that to anything, couldn't you? You could apply that to a promotion, but responsibility comes. You can apply it to more money, and it's amazing when people talk about money in, this, in our nation, Because when they ask the 1% of the wealthiest people in this world how much money is enough, and you know what their answer is, inevitably, what I have is not enough. Because money cannot bring you joy. Maybe it will bring you temporary happiness, but it will not fulfill you. And so what Jesus did when he came as joy is this, is that his joy is different than happiness in the truth that his joy completes us. He builds His joy on the unchanging truth of His love, His care, and His future for us. And it is greater. This is the most significant thing that is so amazing about who Jesus is and why we celebrate Him in joy is that His joy is greater than the ups and downs of our life. We can be steadfast no matter what is happening around us. Today, as we talk about Jesus, our love, we're going to discover just a couple of things. We're going to talk about how His coming when Jesus came to the earth, how it secured love for us. We're going to talk about how his love changes us and how we can live in that love. So how did Jesus' coming to this earth secure love for us? I want to read a passage that we read during this season. And, and, and it may be familiar, it may not be. But in Matthew 1, verse 20 through 21, the angel of the Lord came to Joseph. And Joseph was in a very confused part of his life at this time his betrothed his fiance the angel of the lord began to tell him listen she's going to have a baby they had not consummated their relationship they were not yet married and this was a big deal because listen it, it, it it during the time that jesus came to earth it was considered something that would be worthy of uh capital death for this to happen But the Bible says that Joseph was an honorable man, was an upright man. And what we hear from this is this truth. And this is what's so important is this, is that Joseph had the capacity to hear the Lord and to understand the Lord. So when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph, this is what he said. And this is how we know that Jesus is coming, secure love for us. In verse 20, it says, but after he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people, his people, from their sins. This is the definition of love when somebody steps in our place to provide for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. We don't need a tremendous backstory on this because I'm, I'm pretty certain most of us have heard this before. But the truth is, is that we, as mankind, made a decision in disobedience to ignore and turn our backs to the love of God. And as a result, What happened to mankind is that sin entered our DNA. And that sin separated us from God, something that He was not able to live with. But as a result of that sin, what took place was death. Physical death entered the world. It was never God's design for man to die. But because of sin, death entered the world. So when we fast forward here to this passage that we just read, we have to look at it through this lens, because yes, we say and we understand, and maybe we just pass it through our our lips way too often to say, yes, Jesus is a savior, but what he did is he broke the back of the sting and the shame of sin that resulted in death for every one of us. And if there is a definition of love, this is it. We say it a lot, it becomes cliche, but let it begin to settle in our hearts and our minds and change us, is this truth that this baby that came to earth, that we celebrate in this season, came to be a sacrifice. Because there was only one way that Jesus was going to be able to save man from their sins. There was a requirement for sin, and the requirement for sin was this was blood, was life. Something had to die. But Jesus came. And Jesus stood in that place. This is the definition of love. He did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. He broke the power of sin. He silenced the condemnation of death on our life. Maybe we could say it like this. Sin was mankind's decision. But salvation, the free gift of grace, was God's intervention through Jesus Christ. This is love. This is love. I want us again to listen to the scripture that we read this week. I want us to hear the the, the tone of love, the truth of love that we see in Jesus' coming. In John 3, 16 and 17, I love this. Because we know John 3.16 because we all watch football. Oh, that was funnier than y'all laughed at, honestly. Come on. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now listen to verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world to condemn you to condemn me to condemn us to shame us but to save the world through him what is the definition of love jesus redefined what love is he took something that was deserved to be scorned to be shamed was des- that deserved death that was you and i and he stood in our place he stepped in that place It had to happen. God had to make Himself like us. Had to make Himself man. He had to be fully man. He had to be fully God. He had to. He had to come and walk the walk that you and I walk. He had to come and to endure the things that you and I endure. To undergo the the sways and the strains of life. The pressure of life. He had to do that. But only as God could He be the resurrection and the life. Only as God could he break the power of death once and for all. Could he break the back of sin once and for all. Friends, this is the definition of love. This is why the scripture says, God is love. This is it. This is it. All this... If we really understand this and we really see this and we choose to see this and this is what Jesus' birth says to us so that God could be close to his creation again. He loves you that much. Not only did he cover the debt of the death sentence on your life, he did it so that he could have and know you and you can know him in a personal way. That's beautiful. That's love. So how does this love change us? I just want to give you three things I know there are many but these three things stick out to me and I want to encourage you with these three things because I think they're powerful things the first way is this is that it breaks the fear of condemnation in our life in this scripture in first John 4 17 and 18 it says this this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Can I just explain a little bit about what this scripture is saying here? Is that before Jesus came, there was always the weight of our sin hanging over us, our failures, our mistakes. And what we call this is condemnation. It's the heaviness that rests on your soul when you know that you failed. And some of us still live under that condemnation. And, and this is one of the things that Jesus wants you to know. And one of the things that his love covers is it breaks this. How do you know you live under condemnation? Do you beat yourself up when you make a mistake? Are you louder than the critics in your life, in your own mind? What that is, is a spirit of condemnation in your life. Do you talk to yourself and call yourself stupid and worthless and undeserving? Do you think because of your actions that God can't love you? Do you think because of your mistakes that God wants nothing to do with you? That is the spirit of condemnation. But what the Scripture says is this. When Jesus came, He broke that. He reassured us of the the powerful truth That God is not mad at you. He judged sin in Jesus Christ. Hey, stop, think, come on, come on. You need to get this. Because it is a good father that could look at his creation and say, Andy, though I see you and your decisions are sinful, that is not who you are. And so what I'm going to do is that I'm going to take the root of that sin, and I'm going to put it upon myself in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to put it on the cross, and I'm going to separate it from you so that you could know my love for you. And you will never have to stand as a slave in fear again because fear makes you a slave. Jesus, the love of Jesus, breaks the fear of condemnation. So here's the question. That if the love of Jesus is able to cover the multitude of our sin. Then what are you saying about yourself? Does it line up with the truth of the love of Jesus? Are you living still as a slave? Do you live fearful? Are you in bondage to something that you don't need to be? Are you afraid of the shoe dropping of punishment, then you don't need to be. Come into the love of Jesus. Come into the complete love of Jesus. I can't tell you how many times that I've talked to people who have sat in church all their life, but they don't fully understand this truth that when God looks at you, he's not looking to to, to beat you, for you to make a mistake, but he sees you and he loves you. I'm going to show you in just the next thing, just a second, how much he loves you. This is the second thing that the, how the love of God changes us. It gives us confidence before God, our father. In Romans 5, 6 through 10, it says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Paul's being sarcastic here, just so you know. Paul's beginning to give us a bit of a glimpse of our understanding of the access that we have for our Father by giving us and showing us a magnitude of of the love of Jesus Christ. He's saying this, that Jesus died for you when you were like the least likely thing to die for. More than that, while you hated him, while you were his enemy, he saw you and he loved you and he died for you. He didn't just forgive you. He stood in your place. He died for you. But this truth should begin to transform us to bring us to another place where we have a greater confidence to come before God because this is what Paul concludes here. And he says this, for if we were God's, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Paul's inviting us into the beautiful relationship, the depth of relationship, the confidence we have to approach God. Now, here's the thing. This is what I want to show you, and I want to just kind of give you a little bit of depth here. Is that every time we celebrate communion, in just a little bit we're going to celebrate communion. It's a reminder of this sacrifice, But if we were to step back into the time when Jesus first celebrated the Passover communion meal with his disciples and told them about the better covenant that was to come through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection. Here's what we might understand. That everybody up until that moment had lived in a very much a yo-yo state with God. And here's what I mean by that. That when they made sacrifice on an annual basis and they went to the temple and and they they followed the procedures that the law set forth, that they would feel good for a few days. But as they kind of stepped away and went back to their daily life, that feeling would, would begin to leave. And as a result, they would become heavy. And as a result, they would begin to think thoughts that would say, well, God might be punishing me. He might be mad at me. My sin might be catching up with me. But part of what Jesus did is that he invited us into this relationship. And when he took the cup and he took the bread, what that was signifying was this. Is that Jesus was inviting us into an eternal understanding, a presence where he was going to continually dwell with us where the temple no longer was going to be something we went to that was created by human hands, but the temple was going to be inside of us, that God was going to dwell in us. Now, what does that mean? That means this, that we live in the constant understanding and confidence that we are loved by God. That we are loved by God. That we are accepted by God. What a beautiful thing. That Jesus provided this for us. In Romans 8.15, just a little extra added thing, this confidence that we have before God our Father. This is what we see here in Romans 8.15. It says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive." Brought about adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. What a beautiful, passionate term, Abba, Daddy. This is love. This is love. This is what Jesus provided for us. The third thing I want to bring to our attention here. Of what, how this love begins to change us. If it breaks the fear of condemnation. If it gives us the confidence to approach God the Father, it also teaches us how to love others. It teaches us how to love others. We read this scripture this morning, but in John 15, and I'm going to start in verse 12, 12 and 13. Jesus is having a discussion here. Part of his closing remarks before he goes to the cross with his disciples, he's speaking to them. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, Jesus is giving them and and, and throwing a principle out here to them to help them understand. This is the nature of love that I give you. This love helps you to understand how you're to love others, but they didn't see it yet. But when he went to the cross, they began to understand these words. Jesus was, was talking about himself. He was saying, listen, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to go to the cross for you. This is the same way I want you to love other people. What does that mean? And I want to finish this up. And Justin, you come on up. Of how we live in the love of Jesus. How we can live in the love of Jesus. Because if the love of Jesus transforms us, then how do we live in that love so that it becomes transformational to the people around us? I want to read to you this passage in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Because I think this helps us understand the passage we just read in John 15 about how we live in a sacrificial manner, the same way that Jesus does, how we reflect and give that love. Philippians 2, 5-11 says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does it mean to live, to show the love of Jesus? Well, we see this example here that Paul writes. To live in this type of sacrificial love that Jesus modeled. How do we do that? The first thing that I believe that we see here, and I want to encourage you to write these down, to think about these, is that we have to learn to prefer one another above ourselves. I think this is what we see when we read this passage here in Philippians. The very first thing that we read in verse 6 and 7, it says, Who being in the very nature God, speaking of Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. It paints this narrative of Jesus having to depart from heaven to give up the glory of heaven to become like man. To lay down maybe the, the, the glory of what he deserved. And it uses this, this powerful language, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And what does this mean? Is that Jesus preferred us? Jesus redefined equality. Only does equality happen when we can esteem value to the least and the most unlikely. I need you to hear that and understand this because this is what Philippians 2 tells us. We can't really fully understand this until we get to heaven and we see the glory of God. And we stand in awe for eternity. But Jesus gave that out, gave that up so he could be like us. And one of the ways that we show the love of God is when we choose to prefer people above ourselves. Preferring, loving, and serving is another standard of heaven. Though it might be contrary to the standard of this world. And Jesus modeled this. By leaving, by giving up, by sacrificing the authority of heaven to become like us. I believe what Paul does here is draws in the magnitude, though it again, it's really hard to understand in some ways the depth of love that Jesus has for us. In humility, Jesus became like us, those who he was called to save. Does your love prefer people? Does it lay down your preferences? The second thing is this, I think we see this in verse 8, that we give of ourselves sacrificially. This is the definition of what it is to show to give the love of Jesus. Now again, before I lose you here, before people start, start tuning out and thinking about lunch and thinking about the rest of their Christmas shopping, let me, let me be painfully clear to you, okay? Because Paul is really firing this warning shot across the bow of our hearts, He's saying, listen, that you might deem how you're to love people by the standard of what you think is good, but I'm going to give you the official standard. And just so we're really clear, this is not some kind of spiritual thing. This is a, this is a practical d- display of how we love people. Listen again to this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Well, what is that mindset? We just read it. Paul's saying this is the standard. And so if we're going to love, and the love of Jesus is going to fill us and make us complete and bring us into the Father and break condemnation, then it has to flow through us. And this is what it looks like. It must give sacrificially. In verse 8, we see this, that it wasn't enough for Jesus to come. But the scripture tells us this, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And why would Paul include this in the model? This seems unrealistic, unattainable in so many ways. I believe this, that the redefinition of love that Jesus gives us is that we too must lay down our preferences Display love to others to live sacrificially. I want us to stop and think. These are some hard questions, but they draw us into this understanding. And I promise you, if you take a step to loving people the way that Jesus loved you, you're going to grow in the love of God. But ask yourself these questions. Is my love contingent upon people agreeing with me? Do I love people because they agree with me? Do I only love the people who agree with me? Is my love contingent upon me getting my way? Does my love give freely? Or do I need to receive in order to love someone? Does my love serve without expecting a return? These are hard questions. But friends, this is what it means to to give of ourselves sacrificially. These things aren't possible in our own strength, and our own ability. These These are things that the Holy Spirit must make alive inside of us. And the last one is this. How we live in the love of Jesus. Prefer one another. Give of ourselves sacrificially. The third way is this. Is honor the lordship of Jesus. So that we can see honor in people. In verses 9 and 10 and 11. Paul writes here and says. Therefore God exalted into the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the father. As much as I'd like to make this a tidy, clean point. There's a deep, profound principle here. That has a powerful effect on how we see and love people. See, because the scriptures here in in 9, 10, and 11, they speak about the authority of Jesus. They speak about the lordship of Jesus. And I believe as they're included in this passage of how we're to love people, to love one another in the love of Christ. The reason why I believe that they're included here, and Paul writes it this way, the Holy Spirit wants us to know this truth is that it's impossible for us to see the honor in people that we need to have that reflects the love that Jesus has for them. Stop, stop again and really think about this. Friends, the love that Jesus is asking us to give is only complete when we're able to see people the way that he does. To give the honor the way that he sees people But friends, you won't be able to do that if you're not living in a complete understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ. If he's not ruling every area of your heart and of your mind. You know why? Because people are going to bug you. People are going to offend you. People are going to say hurtful things to you. But when you understand the one who has called you the one who has loved you the one who calls you and asks you to call him father that calls you son or daughter and you're completing that and he is the lord of your life which means this that jesus you're the lord of my emotions you're the lord of my responses you're the lord of my reactions you're the lord of my forgiveness And I personally believe I could be off the mark, but I personally believe because of the context of this passage, what Paul's reminding us of is this, is that there's going to be a day that we are all going to bend our knee, that we are all going to look up and we are all going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And on that day, understand something, everything that you have done is going to become pale in comparison to who he is. We're not going to get to say, but God, they they hurt me so bad. When Jesus says, I wanted to heal you. I wanted to be the Lord of that area of your life. See, because this isn't measured up against the extent of, of, of of our ability. This isn't measured up against the extent of how far Andy can love. This is measured up against the extent of the love of Jesus. Now, friends, listen, you should have a problem with that. Because you say, how is that possible? It's not possible in your own strength. Part of making Jesus the Lord of your life is taking your hands off the wheel. Allowing Jesus to have control, to trust the Holy Spirit to give you what you need to be able to love, to receive the love of Jesus and to give the love of Jesus. Amen. 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 We well, all have a beautiful opportunity as we stop this, this morning and we focus on the, on the truth that Jesus is our love, that He defined love, that He is love. Just say, in, in the areas where we're, we fall short, maybe you fall short this morning in understanding how much He loves you, maybe condemnation hangs on you still. Well this morning it's time to let it go. It's time to say, God, you don't measure me based upon my mistakes. You measure me based upon the truth of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it all. Maybe today you're dealing with some issues with somebody and you're they're just simply difficult to love and I'm not telling you listen I don't want you to to stand up here and look at me and cross your arms and go mm, you don't know this person that I'm is in my life you don't know uncle so-and-so or mom or dad or whatever they don't know what they did and and I get it I get it I know that's real I know the offense is real but what I'm inviting you into is something that could make you free something that could change your life Something that could give you a greater dimension in understanding the love of God that can begin to set a new day in front of you. But what you have to do is say, God, I am not able to let this go. So I need to trust you. I'm giving you permission to help me to love. Maybe He needs to be the Lord of your life. Maybe there's some things that we need to do To live sacrificially, prefer. But as we come to this point in time of our service where we take communion together, if you don't have a communion cup, just again, quickly raise your hand. Ushers can bring you one, please. As you prepare this. I want us again to think of the truth. That as Jesus celebrated this meal, this Passover meal with his disciples. That he was really shifting a paradigm in their life and their understanding. The presence where God dwelled was moving. Through the covenant of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That part of who Jesus is, Emmanuel, God with us, was being made true at the cross. The temple was just a picture. It was just a holding place. It was just a model The intent is where it started at creation. That God would dwell with man. There wouldn't have to be a special place. But that through the blood of Jesus, that dwelling place could return where God could dwell in the heart of man forever. Wow. And as we take we celebrate communion together we remember that what gave us this this beautiful truth that makes us alive in us is the fact that jesus allowed his body to be broken would you take the bread jesus this morning we receive the sacrifice of your broken body you were broken so that we could be whole this is love Jesus, we receive your love this morning. Take and eat the bread. And as we take the cup, let's think on this fresh this morning. That through the precious blood that Jesus shed at Calvary's cross, That we're made one and whole with God again. That the place in our heart is sanctified, made pure, made acceptable for the presence of God to dwell. But this blood that Jesus shed didn't wear off, doesn't need to be sacrificed once a year. This was an eternal act. Because he wasn't just man, he was also God. God. And this morning as we drink the cup, let's remember that beautiful sacrifice and thank him for choosing to make his home in us. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite you to stand up, please. This morning we're gonna we're gonna close by just doing something. If you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, I understand don't don't feel any pressure. But if you'd like just to grab the hand to your right and to your left. If you don't wanna hold hands with somebody, just don't offer your hand up. <laughs> of course my kids are being silly about it. And just in the next moment or so, we're gonna give you just a just a 30 seconds a minute. Would you just pray the love of Jesus to become a fresh revelation in, in every person's heart? To the person on your right and to your left. Just say, Jesus, would you show whoever it is on my right and my left how much you love them? Would your love become alive? Would it make them whole? Would it begin to set a future and hope in front of them. Would you just pray for one another now? Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we just thank you for your love. Lord, I pray for every person that might feel brokenhearted during this season. Jesus, would your love come in and begin to heal them? Go to that area of pain, that hurt, and just begin to to be healing to them, to reassure them of how much, how deep your love is for them. Jesus, would you help us? Help us to be a reflection, to live, to model the love that you gave us. We can't do it in our own strength. But Lord, you know the areas where we need help, and so Holy Spirit, would you help us? if we need to lay more of our life down, if there's an area of our heart that we need to say, Jesus, would You be the Lord of this area? Maybe a place where we need to walk in greater forgiveness. Maybe somebody in our life that we just need to... You've been, you've been nudging us and putting that person in our, in our thoughts and we need to go to them. We need to love them. Would You help us, Holy Spirit? We can't do it in our own ability. But Jesus, your love has transformed us in such a way that Holy Spirit, with your help, we will be able to love the way that you loved us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, as you go this morning, understand this, that we love you so much. We look forward to seeing you on Christmas Eve for our Christmas Eve service. Have a great week. Finish up your Christmas shopping.